0: Good evening, church. Luke Burnham, I'm the youth minister here, uh, and I am really excited to be able to preach to you this evening. Uh, now, this is actually my first official preaching gig, so I was kind of seeking out some advice beforehand. And so, first off, I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll dress exactly like Blake did this morning. Maybe y'all will confuse us. I don't know if that'll help or hurt. I don't know. Uh, and then I remembered that uh, sometimes Chris uses jokes in his sermons, and I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll, I'm a funny guy, right? Uh, so I found the perfect joke, and I tried it on multiple people, and I have yet to get a laugh. So we're we're gonna see how this goes. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Jesus is divine, and we are the branches. Hey, all right. I got a joke, a laugh. Excellent. Uh, well, this evening, as you can tell uh, from the slides, we are going to be talking about John chapter 15, Jesus being the true vine. Do we have any gardeners or plant experts? In in, in? Okay, not very many. Uh, y'all are probably then more like me. All right. Anything you touch that's growing doesn't usually fare very well unless it can defend itself like my dog. Uh, and so um, when Carol Caroline and I uh, first got married, we moved into an apartment uh, and they told us no pets. So, you know, we started, you know, missing out on our pets. We're both definitely pet people. So I found the perfect pet that we could have in our no pet apartment. Anybody know what this is? This is a Venus flytrap, and uh, after my first attempt at raising the Venus flytrap, which lasted about five days, I decided, you know what, I'm going to need to learn a lot more about plants for this to succeed. Uh, And so I I researched on uh, my second Venus flytrap, we named him Floyd, Uh, he was very adorable, and I learned from this, uh, flytraps, like many other plants, plants are weird, Did you know that? There are some plants that, you know, you plant in the ground, they grow, you water them, it's great. Fly traps, they are so bizarre. You can't give them soil or potting soil, that kills the roots. So you got to give them like moss. You can't give them tap water, also kills the roots. you got to give them distilled water or save your rainwater. Uh, you got to give them sun, but you can't give them too much Texas sun, or they'll, you know, once again shrivel up and die. Uh, And they do this really bizarre thing called hibernation. I assumed that was just a thing bears did, but apparently that is also a plant thing to do. Uh, around November, they just start shriveling up, they turn black, and uh, the first time that happened, I was like, great, I killed another one. Uh, but then I researched and learned that actually what you're supposed to do is you take your Venus flytrap, you put it in the fridge for four months, and then you pull it back out in February and it's just fine. Imagine Caroline's surprise the first time she opened the fridge trying to go for milk and, oh, what is this horrible. Things staring back at me. Fly traps are strange, and of course, one of the most fun things I did with my Venus fly trap, as you can imagine, is feed it. You know, going around my apartment looking for, you know, I couldn't catch flies, but you know, spiders, ants, whatever, uh, and putting them ant versus animal, see how they fare. So, I had a really fun experience trying to raise and cultivate uh, cultivate, uh, my Venus flytrap, and tonight we're going to talk about what it takes to cultivate uh, a good plant, and in this case, the true vine. So if you would, in this this evening, turn to John chapter 15. We're going to be in verses 1 through 8. John chapter 15. I love this passage. I've used it with the youth group uh, in the last year probably three or four times to talk about a lot of different aspects about Christianity. This one passage alone uh, talks about a lot. It talks about the Trinity. It talks about our relationship uh, with the Father. It talks about our relationship with other believers. Uh, And so this evening, we're going to try to find ways that we can relate it to ourselves. Uh, So if you've heard this a million times, I want you to uh, clear your head for a minute. We're going to try to look at this in a new way if you haven't heard it before. Uh, then hopefully you're in for a treat. John chapter 15 verses 1 through 8 reads, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes it so that it may be Uh, So it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch that dries up and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." This evening, I'm going to talk a lot about fruit, but I want you, every time you hear me referencing this fruit, I want you to remember what Jesus says uh, over half a dozen times in this passage, and that is when it comes to fruit, the only way to get that fruit is by remaining in me remaining in Jesus. So let's talk about some of the key players in uh, tonight's passage. So first off in verse one, he identifies two people. First off, he talks about God being the vine dresser, the gardener. Think about what a gardener does, what a vine dresser does. Uh, The gardener is in charge of looking out on the property and finding the most optimum place to plant that vine. He's got to take into consideration the soil, maybe move some of those rocks around, make sure it's a good place for that. He's got to take into consideration the water. How is he going to water that plant? He's got to make sure it's got enough sun, gets enough wind to make sure all of that is healthy. That's what God the Father did when he put Jesus on earth. He didn't just pick a random date. He picked a date where Jesus' followers after his crucifixion were going to be able to spread that gospel with strength and with power. The Holy Spirit did an awesome job, but they had postal service that worked. They had roads that worked. They had a common language that worked. They were able to travel because God was a wise and careful vine dresser by putting Jesus just at the right moment in history that his message would be able to spread all over the world. Then we have Jesus as the vine. Now, most of y'all can probably imagine when he's saying vine, he's not talking about uh, ivy or something that just creeps up the side of your house, okay, especially since he's mentioning fruit. What kind of vine is he talking about? It's a grape vine, all right? The grape vine, the grape is the number one mentioned fruit in the Bible, and for good reason. We're going to talk a little bit more about what grapes meant back uh, when this story was told, but Jesus is that vine. He is going to come out of the ground, and he is going to cause these branches that go out. Now, back in Bible times, uh, branches could grow along the ground. Uh, they ju- just come out and uh, go in every direction, or you could build a structure called a trellis. You could uh, you put posts in the ground. You put some wires or twine or rope or whatever, and the vine climbs up. It's able to spread out. It's able to get more sun. It's able to grow more healthily. Once again, that's something the vine dresser does to make sure the vine is healthy. And then he mentions the branches, and that's us. That's the followers of Jesus that believe in him. Now, he states very clearly, how does a branch stay healthy? Staying connected to the vine. As we talk more about fruit this evening, I want you to remember about staying connected. And then one last uh, point I want to make, which you might say, Luke, that's actually not in what we just read. It talks about the Holy Spirit. I mentioned that we use this spirit uh, use the Spirit. Use this passage to talk about the Trinity. Uh, the Holy Spirit is an integral part of this analogy, even if he's not mentioned by name. He is mentioned, if you read uh, before in John chapter 14 and afterwards in John 15 and 16, he is mentioned uh, by Jesus to do several other things. Uh, One thing in John chapter 3, as Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he describes the Spirit as a wind that you can't really see, but you can see the effects. So we have this idea of the Spirit being the air that the vine and the branches breathe. We also know, as uh, Jesus describes later in uh, John chapter 15, that the Spirit goes back and forth delivering messages from Jesus to his followers, back and forth, like the sap that flows through the vine. It's going to take that goodness that's coming out of the vine and send it off to the branches in order for them uh, to create better uh, and stronger fruit. Speaking of fruit, I've mentioned it a few times. We talk about it in Christian circles. But let me ask you this question What is that fruit? What is that biblical idea? of fruit. Some of us may have a very clear idea, and we've got a list, and we know where to go. Some of us might say, oh, I'm not exactly sure. Well, here is by no means an exhaustive list, but here are a few different times in the Bible that things are called fruit. First off, repentance. Jesus refers to his fruit. Matthew 3.8 says, therefore, produce fruit consistent with Repentance. Also, Luke thirteen five through 9, this is Jesus speaking, "'No, I tell you, but unless you repent, "'you will all likewise perish.'" And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree, which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and didn't find any. And he said to the vinekeeper, "'Look, for three years I've come looking for fruit.'" repentance on this fig tree without finding any cut it down why does it even use up the ground but he answered him and said sir leave it alone for a year until I dig around it and put it in fertilizer and if it bears fruit next year fine but if not cut it down this repentance isn't a one-time thing that happens in the, no, oh, yay, I'm fruit. We, when we sin, which we will sin, we all fall short of the glory of God and sin. We need to go to repentance to produce that fruit. The Bible also calls practicing the truth fruit. Matthew seven sixteen through 21 references how um, you can tell a tree if it's good or not based on its fruit. Colossians 1 10 reads, so that you will walk in the manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. These good works he refers to as fruit. And increasing in the knowledge of God. At the end of Romans, Paul refers to the offering of money as fruit. He says, "Therefore, when I have finished this," he's talking to the Roman church, "and I've put my seal on this fruit of theirs, this other money that these other churches have given for the cause of Christ, I will go on by way of you to Spain." Galatians 5:22. Everyone over second grade in this room can probably tell uh, you what the fruit of the Spirit is. This is that connection to the vine. The Holy Spirit produces this fruit that should be active in our lives. Winning unbelievers to Christ in Romans 1.13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that often I have planned to come to you, and have been prevented so far, and so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, just as the rest of the Gentiles. And then we also see in 1 Corinthians and Colossians, the physical growth of the church, actually causing the church to grow, is referred to as fruit. 1 Corinthians reads, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus that they are the first fruits of Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to ministry to the saints. So we have this idea of fruit, and so we realize this is important. So what can we do to produce that fruit? Well to that I point you back to our John 15 passage. We've got to remain in Christ. The only way to produce that fruit for it to be uh, for the glory of God's kingdom is remaining in Christ. I want us to dissect it a little bit further. I want us to look at the actual stages of a grapevine as it grows. And let's see if we can relate that at all uh, to our Christian walk. So there's uh, actually there's seven stages of vine growth, but I'm not great with my analogy, so I boiled it down to five. Uh, And so uh, as you can see, they're they're there on the screen. Uh, But each one of these stages can represent a different stage in our own growth. And you'll notice this isn't a start here end here, I'm done growing. As we're going to talk about, it's a repetitive cycle that continues every day, every week, every month in our walk with Christ. So bud burst and shoot growth. This is when the old, dormant, previously used branch that's just sitting there wooden, it suddenly starts to have these green little buds shoot right out of it, and eventually those are going to extend out into further uh, shoots, further branches, and from those branches come lots of things, leaves, flowers, uh, berries, tendrils. Uh, They are very useful. Now, to the average layman who doesn't spend a lot of time in a vineyard, they're probably going to say, okay, look, there's a branch, cool. All right, but to the gardener, To the vine dresser, they can look at that shoot and immediately say, okay, I'm going to have to uh, prune this here. I'm going to have to make adjustments here so I can get the healthiest fruit possible. Sometimes we look at something and we're not exactly sure how it's going to span out. But God can see what's going to come and can know exactly how to help us out. Obviously, I would imagine this stage to be a believer's baptism, to be baptized and to start their walk with God. One of the interesting things they produce is a tendril. Does anybody know what a tendril is? Tendrils can be found on creeping and vine plants, and they're these long, thin parts of the plant that um, look out. They're looking for something to grab onto as the vine uh, grows, and they grab onto something, whether it's another branch or a wire, and, and, and they start spinning around it, and they keep spinning, and they get a really tight grasp. And as the fruit, the vine begins to produce this fruit, it hardens, and it gets very hard to dislodge. In fact, it breaks the plant if you try to pull it away from the tendril. And that can kind of be like us when we're starting our Christian walk. If we surround ourselves with healthy things for our Christian walk, our Christian brothers and sisters, a healthy habit of praying to God, a daily Bible study that we're using, we're going to wrap around those habits and we are going to be able to remain in Christ and grow and produce great fruit. But if we wrap our tendril around something that's not so healthy for our spiritual journey, maybe friends we shouldn't be hanging out with, Maybe uh, social media habits that aren't really conducive to growing in Christ. We get attached to those. And when we finally have a crisis of conscience and we realize we need to break away from those, it has an ill effect on our spiritual life and it can be very difficult. So that's our first stage, bud burst and shoot growth. So after this bud comes out and the shoot starts to grow, we start to have flowers. Flowers are really pretty. In fact, we've got some flowers sitting in the kitchen right now uh, that Abigail and I got for Caroline for Mother's Day. We are, we love our flowers. But I look back at our John 15 passage. Does Jesus call us to be flowers? No. Flowers serve a purpose. The end goal of the flower is to get pollinated so then they can produce fruit and produce more uh, fruit for the original plant. And sometimes we as Christians, we kind of get hung up, we get caught on the really pretty and nice and easy parts of Christianity, but we don't want to take that next step. It reminds me of James chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. What use is it for my brothers and sisters if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Or in this case, fruit. Can that faith save them? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. But someone may well say to you, but I have faith, Uh, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons believe and shudder. A flowering faith is a sign that we're on the right track, but it's not our end goal. We want to remain in Christ so we can continue to produce that fruit. Then we get each flower that's pollinated turns into a grape, or in this case a berry, and they start to grow. Uh, uh, For uh, a vineyard, uh, this process is called veraison, and it has multiple stages. Sometimes our spiritual growth is so fast, and and we just feel ourselves growing in leaps and bounds and getting closer to God, and sometimes we just feel like we're not making much progress. Same thing happens with these berries. Sometimes they swell up and then suddenly don't move for a few days, and then they continue to grow, and that happens. Also, you may or may not know this, a bunch of grapes doesn't mature all at the same time. Sometimes some uh, berries, like in this picture, uh, get to full maturity, and they're ready to go, and other times uh, there's some that are still straggling, still trying to get there. In order for us to grow to full maturity, we must begin storing good in our hearts. As Luke says in chapter 6, verse 43 through 45, For there is no good tree that bears bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree that bears good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth What is good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Your berry is going to turn out what you've been putting in. As I tell my students, poison in, poison out. Goes back to those tendrils. What are they wrapping around? What are they getting their sustenance from? We draw our sustenance, we draw our fruit from remaining in the vine. Then we are able to actually produce that fruit. Once again, this is not something we are doing ourselves. This is something that is an end result of being in the vine. And a few things to remember about a bunch of grapes is the same thing about the fruit that we produce. Think back to that list that I gave us a few slides ago of the different examples of fruit, and think about, does this fruit match what you have been producing recently? Fruit is expected to be plentiful. This is not a one and done, and I'm off the hook, and, and that was it. All right, we, we want, When we buy grapes, we buy a big bunch of grapes. Fruit is expected to be mature. We don't need an immature faith that says one thing on Sunday morning and goes online and posts something else, or goes into work and does something completely different. We want a mature, strong, relevant faith. Fruit is expected to be attractive, All right? Chris often says, you know, if 100% of people like you, you're probably doing something wrong. But if 100% of people hate you, you're also doing something wrong. We share the gospel. The gospel is the good news, good news to all humans, whether they know they're sinners or not. We want to make this message attractive and accessible to everyone that we can. Fruit can also meet many needs. The reason fruit was grown, grapes were grown back then, was not actually because uh, the people in Israel just loved the taste of grapes. They used it to make what? Wine. They use it to make wine. Water wasn't the safest thing to drink back then, so vine, uh, vine, wine was a better option. And so you can make wine. You can make grape juice. You can make jelly. You can make all sorts of things with grapes. And so we want to do that with our fruit. We want to not only support our brothers and sisters. We want to support the mission of the church. We want to help those non-believers who are trying to figure out what's going on. Make your fruit count for many needs. And then last but not least is dormancy. Just like my Venus flytrap shrivels up and you put it in the fridge, after you harvest the grapes, you're left with these branches that are not the most attractive thing. And to a layman, they might look a little dead. But they're not dead. They're just resting. They're waiting. This is not a new concept. We know from Genesis chapter 2 that the world was not created in six days. The world was created in seven days. And on the seventh day, God rested. We know that when uh, the Jews received the law from Moses, from God, one of their important commandments was to observe the Sabbath. They needed a day of rest. This is not the same as a day of laziness or a day of let's pretend I'm not a Christian anymore. All right? Dormancy has some important rules, Dormancy allows us to prepare for more fruit. The idea of dormancy is there's more coming. There's something greater and better coming. Dormancy is not the same as death. And dormancy is not an excuse to stop being a part of the vine. Even apart from the vine, or even in dormancy, that branch is still connected to the vine still receives its nutrients. And that's what we want to remember as we are giving of ourselves, giving of that fruit, and need some time to recover and rejuvenate. All right, so as I wrap up my sermon, I've got a, a picture up here, a slide. Can anybody tell me what that is? Anybody? If you said a grapevine, good, you've been paying attention in this sermon. No, it's more than just a grapevine. In fact, uh, this grapevine uh, is located, let me get this right, uh, in the Hampton Court Gardens in Molsey, England. Now, let me give you a few facts about some average grapevines so you can compare it to this one. The average grapevine lives about 25 to 30 years. Uh, The average grapevine, uh, when it comes out of the ground at full maturity, uh, it's it's a few inches uh, in diameter. Uh, The average grapevine has uh, vine That extend, uh, branches that extend about 10 feet. Well, this is the grapevine in Hampton Court's Gardens, England. It was planted in 1768 over 250 years ago, and it is still producing grapes to this this day. The base of it, the vine that comes out of the ground, you can't really tell in that picture, is 13 feet around. The longest branches are 120 feet. The average crop yield for a a regular uh, grapevine is about 7 pounds. This one, 600 pounds on average. The greatest one was in 2001 with 845 pounds. This grapevine is a huge tourist attraction. Lots of people come from around the world to check this out, and it's pretty great, all right? It earns its name, the grapevine. But we know something even better. We know the true vine. We know where our salvation comes from. We know where our fruit comes from, and we know where we are going, Hopefully this evening you are still connected to this true vine. You are living in him and he is living in you. Maybe recently you've been stumbling a little bit and you've kind of lost that connection, but you want to get back in. You don't want to be uh, pruned away. You don't want to be thrown in that fire. And I don't blame you. I want to be connected to that true vine. Whatever you need during this next song, if you have a need, you can come forward. You can come talk to one of the elders or the ministers. Uh, You can write us a note and leave it with us. You can come speak to us outside of this service, but we want to meet your needs. We want to help you get back in that true vine. So whatever your need is, I invite you to come forward as we stand and as we sing together.